Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of the SNC Podcast. I am your host, Fola Shade Anuzie. On this episode, we are talking poetry, and my guest is Frajo Dogubo, a Nigerian spoken word poet, multiple poetry slam champion, writer, storyteller, and food enthusiast. Frajo is also passionate about body positivity and demystifying mental health. We had a lovely conversation about her previous life as a rapper, misconceptions about poetry, earning a living as a poet in Nigeria, among others. All right. Hi, Hannah. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Before I start, would you prefer that I call you... Fragile. <laughs> I was going to say that. <laughs> because I said that when you texted me, you're like, Fragile, why do you prefer Fragile? Um, everybody just calls me that, and sometimes I forget I'm Hannah. Yeah. Even in the workspace, I'm called Fragile. Okay. Well, hi, Fragile. Hi. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Happy Easter Sunday. Oh, same to you. How's your day been going? Awesome. Very animated. Very animated? Yeah. Why so? Um, basically, church, and um, it was it was a party. Yeah. Where's your church at? Um, Wale Olateju. That's Lekki. Okay. So, oh, you came all the, you came all the way from Lekki? Yes, I did. Wow. You are a trooper. <laughs> I appreciate you. I wanted to just say that happy National Poetry Month. I don't know if you because I feel like because I feel like in Nigeria we don't celebrate that. Um, but lots of countries all, all over the world. I, I don't think that we have it in Nigeria. Would so, you agree? In the poetry spaces, we acknowledge it. I, I think that's the best way to put it. We acknowledge, acknowledge it. We don't celebrate per se, but we do acknowledge it, yes. Would you prefer that we start celebrating it sometime? Yeah, we should. Absolutely. Because um, I think it's a mind thing. Um, poetry is not yet as mainstream as it should be. We poets forget that we are pretty important so yeah it's be great to be celebrated and for people who are listening who might not be aware april is poetry month which a lot of countries recognize and it is a month focused on celebrating the role power and influence that poetry has all over the world as well as the people behind the poetry the poets and we have lovely people like fragile here thank you <laughs> so like you said, you don't recognize it. We don't recognize it in Nigeria. I mean, we don't celebrate it, we but we recognize it, yeah. right? So what kind of activities have you been participating or been doing to recognize or celebrate the month? Okay, so usually um, during the World Poetry Month, um, we usually have slams. That's poetry competitions. We have readings, performances, you know, all of that. It's not like we don't have these things on other months of the year but it is super amplified in april so um i was in islam um i think a few weeks back i didn't mean unfortunately but yes so we have competitions here and there that's cool so before we delve into your journey to becoming a poet word on the streets is that you used to be a rapper is that oh, <laughs> you used to be a rapper it's Abby. funny how your past just creeps up on you right Yes, yes. Yes, I used to be a rapper a long, 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 long time ago. What was your rap name? I've always been fragile. Oh, yes. Do you think that, and this is just me, do you think that, that, do you think that that's too soft for rap? Um, it worked to my advantage, actually. Um, I think when I started rapping, um, I used to do lots of rap battles, and um, my opponents tend to just be lazy. I mean, fragile. What, what harm could <laughs> What's she going to do? I mean, and it worked a lot, you know, having people undermine me. And why did you now step away from, or do uh, you still rap? No, I don't. Okay. I, I quit. Um, it had its challenges. I was pretty young at the time. And so um, it was pretty frustrating. You know, when you get into a thing, you tend to visualize where you should be in say a month two months three months a year and all of that and when that doesn't happen and you do not have a proper cushion you know you just fall flat on your face so um i did encounter lots of challenges that just strangled the passion really so music music wasn't fun anymore and i just had to walk away from it do you think that there's the Nigerian factor that played a role? Oh, absolutely. It played a massive, massive role. Um, but I don't think, for me, my experience, I don't think, um, when, when you say the Nigerian factor, people like tend to have an idea. For me, 
the reality was kind of different. It was still the Nigerian factor, but the reality was was different for me. Can you speak more about that? Like, what what do you mean? About um. That? So oh, the Nigerian factor for me was you could not be at the time. Um, like I said, I was pretty young. I'd say sixteen, fifteen, sixteen. Um, you couldn't be original. You had to sound like this person. So um, I remember I was in the crew, and you know they're like, oh, "You had the Nicki Minaj of the crew." I'm like, "No, no, I'm not." <laughs> and I always wanted to do conscious music. They're like, "Nobody cares to hear about life. Just rap about mundane things." And yeah, it wasn't really my thing. And um, I was in a couple of groups. I got signed at some point, but they all wanted the same thing from me. So there was no space for me to be creative, to write the kind of songs that I wanted out there. And it wasn't it wasn't enjoyable, you know. Yeah, and I don't know if you saw the whole bruja about rappers in Nigeria over the weekend not being invited to some event. And um, I saw someone tweet that maybe, <laughs> maybe the challenge or maybe the reason why we don't have a lot of rappers on on these platforms is because Nigerians don't appreciate rap, which is exactly and not it, true. Exactly because we like I mean we look at people like I mean I, I haven't heard your rap song but Tribe all these hip hop groups that yeah. people still you know still love and still appreciate. But I wanted to just kind of go back to one point that you made which is about rapping about things that are true to you or important, yeah. your reality. Yeah. Do you think that maybe that's one of the tr- struggles that a lot of Nigerian rappers have? Um, for me, I, <laughs> there are very few rappers in Nigeria that I, that I still enjoy. Um, I think the highlight of rap for me should be... Between 2010 and uh, 2016, 2015, 2016, you know, where you could actually rap about our realities and stuff. This is not to say that you can't rap about fun things, right? But then, all of a sudden, music generally in Nigeria became something else. And um, just a couple of weeks ago, I found myself um, listening to songs from way back, you know, 2007, 2008. I was like, this is me. I was listening to the lyrics and I'm like, oh my goodness, not just rap music. So um, I would say, and I say this cautiously because I've been in this argument and I almost had my head chopped off. Um, I would say that um, the reason why our music, Nigerian music, or African music, it's so mainstream right now, is that our sound is different, but we're not doing great with lyricism. So um, why hip-hop cannot benefit from that is because it is hip-hop. Even our indigenous rappers kind of sound like the guys over there. So there isn't really any distinction. We have brilliant rappers. But then you listen to the typical Nigerian... Okay, sorry, not typical. But you listen to um, this Nigerian rapper and you do not know if he's Nigerian or he is from um, the States. You, you can't differentiate. But when you hear our Afro songs and you know this is African, I mean, though we have some... Asian guys, I think those guys do. Yeah, they're going into yeah, exactly. Yeah. But but the difference is is really clear. So that's the issue. On the flip side, I wanted to say that you feel like if it, it seems like the average Nigerian doesn't really care about speaking up, rapping about the everyday thing because you're like okay on one hand it's true that the average nigerian rapper is rapping about women and popping champagne and going to dubai or whatever but on the flip side you have people who when they rap about these things which is like what's going on in the world what's going on in nigeria political things who just kind of tune out you know um i think it has to do with their community um really if your community does not appreciate um, what com- if the community doesn't appreciate what comes out of it, it it's problematic to sell it to the world, right? Um, so, and I can say this, and I, I can say this as a poet, for example. Um, um, I think poetry started gaining relevance like pretty uh, recent, fairly recently, right? And that is because we poets within ourselves began to appreciate our art. Now, um, if in the rap community you have people like, yeah, yeah, your song is cool, you're a good rapper, but then, yeah. It's, it's not catchy, you know. 
not all songs should be catchy. Some songs should make you sit and listen, you know, and make you think. But then we, we always want to dance. <laughs> and dancing is not a bad thing, really, but that's, that is pretty problematic when you have, you know, intellectuals wanting to pass on a message. I think, that, like you said, dancing is not a problem. But the, where we are in this country, we said we need to sit down and start <laughs> reflecting on our lives. Exactly. You understand? Like, we should exactly. tired of dancing at this yeah. point. But I think, thank you for that conversation. I just thought that I wanted to delve more deeper into that. Now, let's talk about how you developed an interest in poetry. Okay, I'm going to sound like the typical poet and say, poetry found me. Oh, <laughs> <God>. <laughs> We're so dramatic. Um, but yeah, poetry did find me. Like um, the average person, I hate that poetry because my idea of it was um, Shakespearean poetry. And when you sit in the four walls of a classroom and you have to like write pages upon pages on poetry that you really do not care about, you just tend to hate the thing. And then um, I remember sometime in 2016, I was just scrolling through Facebook and I stumbled across this video on someone's page. And I thought, oh, okay, this person looks interesting. Let me watch it. It was a poetry video. First of all, it took me like a day, two days, um, before I realized this is poetry. I'd never heard of spoken word poetry. I didn't think it was a thing, but I loved it. I went to look for the lady, Jackie Hill Perry, and then I binge-watched um, all her videos from her group as well. And at the time, I didn't think it existed in Nigeria. So I was like, oh, wow, I want to do this thing. I'll just start writing now, and then when I relocate, I, I can find a space. So I was serving at the time. So um, I went to camp, and um, during one OBS meeting, somebody stood up and did poetry, spoke more poetry. And I remember seated, being seated there, and um, others were booing. But I was so in love. I just sat down there and thrilled, like, wow. And when this guy was done, he was a bit dis kind of disappointed. And I was like, well, I want to see you. So the next day we had a meeting and I'm like, okay, so you're a spoken word poet in Nigeria or did you like just come into the country or how? He was like, oh, there are lots of us. And he um, came from Abuja and he put me on and then I started listening to other poets. And then when I returned home, I started looking for power, trying to connect to poetry groups, you know, in my state at the time. Um, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much a journey. I joined the Pataka Literary Society and it just boomeranged from there, you know. So poetry found you in Port Harcourt? Poetry found me in, no, in oh. Abia State. Abia State? Yes. Uh. And then I found it in Port Harcourt. <laughs> <laughs> we found each other. You know, I love that. <laughs> that's, that's, that's cool. Now, what inspires you as a poet? Everything, every everything the thing with poetry is you use words and um you use words but when you speak you create pictures because we think in pictures so um it's just intriguing for me all the time i i i, I look at things around me it could be this book it could be the bottle of water it could be the table how do i you know, make a table interesting to somebody else. Interesting to the point where you see a table, but like you care about the table. So basically that, that is, everything has a story and I want to be the storyteller. I always want to tell stories, um, probably because I'm a fiction writer as well. <laughs> so, Which we'll get to that later, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I always want to tell stories and, and that's the intriguing thing about poetry. That's what pushes me. Now I want to move on to why do you think people misunderstand poets and poetry? Because from my observations and I guess just speaking to people, I feel like sometimes the misunderstanding that people have about poetry is that maybe it has to be deep. It has to be vague. The poets have to speak super fast and we can't hear what they are saying. Do we? <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, sometimes, like, again, based on my observation and conversation, sometimes yeah. I'm hearing, like, you're hearing a poet speak and I'm like, even I, I speak fast. I'm like, I can't even hear what you're saying. <laughs> I can't even hear what you're saying. Okay, before I take the blame. <laughs> oh, no, it's not even, it's just a quote. I want to just talk about that. Yeah, before I take the blame, I'm going to throw it out there first. A lot of people, when you tell them, when you say, when you just mentioned poetry, straight Shakespeare. Love. Because, I mean, I, it's not just about the theme. It's, that's all they know. 
poetry to be Shakespeare. And that is their idea of it. And then you talk about poetry and mentally they're transported back to that tiny classroom, you know, long hours of readings and it doesn't sound pleasant to them. And so they just automatically shut down. So what I try to do, I don't try to convince you otherwise, because the more you do, they just want to fight it. I just ask, would you just follow me somewhere? We can leave whenever you're tired and they stay till the end. Ask or being deep, it's a, it's a power problem. <laughs> so I think it's a phase that we poets um, just go through. And there's nothing wrong with being deep. It's how we go about our writing, right? So there are people who believe that being deep is synonymous to being vague or, you know, just engaging cliches and and it's it's a problem because you're not writing poetry for just poets alone you're writing to the common man you know you want your work to be understood and appreciated you know and digested by everybody else but poets are becoming more aware of it and that is because we are slowly you know becoming mainstream and so when there are you know, when you partner, for example, with brands and, you know, you're mandated to stick, for example, to sell a brand, you know that you can't do your big thing. It's, it's, I mean, you're not paid to do that. You can't be deep, right? You can't be deep, pass on your message and also be relatable. People think they're on opposite sides of the spectrum. Not true. I think baby poets think like that, really. Baby poets. Baby poets. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I was watching a video recently, and the lady was talking about, because you said that, you know, poets are becoming more aware that your art has become more mainstream, and, you know, you you want to make it accessible. But I was watching something recently, and the poets were saying that she doesn't believe that every poem or poetry has to be access has to be understood or accessible to everybody do you share that same sentiment i i want to believe that there should be some context to it um we write for different reasons we write for different audiences and sometimes there's some contention when it comes to do with our pieces right so it doesn't necessarily mean that we do not want people to understand it's that we wrote for a particular audience and we do not expect everybody to accept what we say however you are communicating so there is no way that you'll be writing a piece and say oh i don't care if people do not understand i don't i don't think that is uh i don't think that is acceptable yeah so to be fair to her she didn't say not every she just said that it's not everybody that should understand some people it would take them a while and they have to come back to it but if people are pushing poets to always say that when you when you deliver or you write a poem, immediately it has to be understood by everybody. She doesn't agree with that. Oh. Even her as a poet. Oh, that. absolutely. I get that point. I get that point because wh- when poets speak like that, what we are concerned about is you know people telling us to dumb it down. I think I've been told that um, a lot, and I'm like, no, you don't dumb it down. You know, we just we try to not simplify it. Simplify is not the word I'm looking for, but we we try to communicate better find better ways to put across our words our message but not dumb it down and even poets when we read other pieces other people's pieces right it might take us two reads three reads four five listens you know for us to get the full picture of it poetry is like pretty rich and sometimes i've had people interpret my pieces in ways that i the writer had i had no idea that was what i was talking about but then the interpreting i'm like oh wow that's that's deep (laughs) but yeah that 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 is a thing that's a thing with us so just kind of go back to um when you first fell in love with poetry and then you guys i guess you found poetry in 2016 for people who are listening and maybe they love poetry and they don't know how to hone their skills, what what, what did you do to become a better poet? Were you just writing? Were you going for, were you going for public speaking engagements? So talk about what exactly you did to um, hone your skills as a poet. At the time when I found poetry, or poetry found me, 
there was a find. <laughs> At the time, um, remember I said I didn't think there were other poets in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think to go online to, for whatever reason, didn't cross my mind. So I listened to a lot of poetry, um, um, audio files, watched a lot of videos, you know, and I just wrote and I'd recite it to myself. Now, when I found a community, I listened to other people perform. I shared my pieces with people to proofread and make corrections. I attended workshops. I still attend workshops. There is no, there is no limit to learning when you're a poet. Um, I entered for slams. A lot of people run away from it and they feel like slams are hard. Slams are hard. You Why are know? they hard? Competitions are hard generally, and then there's a lot of tension and um, lots of words being flung about. You know, it is it can be very overwhelming. I, I think I've done a couple of slams, but I would never get used to slamming ever. It's it's always that that tension all the time. But then it helps you get better because the judges give feedback, or when you get back, you you sit back to say, oh, why did this person win and I didn't? Or why did I win and others didn't? I think this person was a good poet. Um, What do I learn from this person? How do I communicate with this person to get better? All of these things would help you become a better writer and a better performer because they are good writers but terrible performers. They are great performers but terrible writers. There has to be a balance. If you're doing spoken word poetry, there must be a balance. So these things would help. So joining a community, yeah, writing, mm-hmm. sharing your writing with other people to get feedback, yes, doing slams like you said, challenging yes. as they are, it helps you grow. Yeah, attending workshops, attending as well. workshops as well. Yeah, and what what are the benefits of workshops? Like they teach you how to write better. Yeah, they Commun- teach you how to write better. They teach you how to interpret other people's pieces. Now, when you learn how to interpret other people's pieces, you learn how to interpret your piece better. So it still goes back to writing. But yes. Thank you for sharing that. I just think that for anyone who's listening and wants to be, you know, maybe has an interest in poetry and like, oh, where do I start? I think that's useful information that you shared. Yes. Now, in terms of accessibility and making Nigerians appreciate poetry and poets, what do you think maybe, I think, I think we can say primary school because if you, if you say secondary school, we're jumping from primary school to secondary school. So what do you think primary schools and then eventually secondary schools can do to help their students develop more of an interest in poetry or for people that already have an interest, help them grow and advance and become um, better poets? Back in Port Harcourt, um, I do not know if they still do it, um, the PHLS um, community had a program called The Lift and um, they sent out invites to schools. This was for, yeah, we did have some primary schools come around and we taught them, um, we taught them, it was a workshop essentially. And um, they're taught and they're also giving prompts. So based on what we just taught you right there. And, you know, the students were excited because we would not invite just one school. They get to interact with students or pupils from other schools. And when they see their people in their age group do a thing, like get up stage, read what they wrote, they're excited. Children are impressionable. Super. So they're excited and they want to try it. Oh, oh, this person did this. I think I can do it too, right? And they go back to their schools and we have the teachers reach out to us. They're, oh, can they send some of the pieces that their students wrote? Can we go over them? And, you know, it is born from there. I know this particular lady, um, of course, I, I wasn't there when she started, but she started attending late when she was in primary five and she moved into secondary school and, you know, started doing that. I think she should be done with secondary school, but she's a brilliant writer, a really great writer. I see some of her things and I'm like, wow, I, yeah. I know where you started. I think it's so important, which is why I asked you, because yeah. um, I think when you start people young, that's where the interest grows. Yeah. Trying to teach people about poetry in secondary school is much harder than starting from primary school. Because I know when I was in secondary school, <clears throat> primary school, I didn't even really know about poetry. I just, yeah. like you said, thought it was about, oh my gosh, Romeo, Julia, blah, blah, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But I had a literature and English teacher. I think his name was Mr. Wogogo, I'm not sure. He was really passionate about poetry. Even the way he would read 
not just even poetry, like God are not to blame. The way he yeah. would read like the book to us, like you'd be like, Wow, this guy's such yeah. a performer. Exactly. I just wanted to get your perspective on what schools can do because it's not just about saying society doesn't appreciate poets, yeah, but true. when the educational institutions themselves don't really do much then, you know, where do we I guess where do we stand or what what can we do? I like the fact that you did mention your teacher. It's very important that you have people passionate about it. Um, I was always a literature lover, of course, just for prose. But um, at some point, my love for prose grew because of the teacher I had at the time. You know, she was very particular about stories. And um, during uh, classes, she'd make us like rearrange our... De- it used to be fun. We had science students, you know, flunk their classes to come join us, sit with us, and then would read. And it's very special. It wasn't like that with poetry. She did that with prose. So imagine there was a literature teacher, and then you're like, okay... Right now, we are, we are having um, an open mic. What's an open mic? It's like, you'll see. And then you call them, or just scribble something down and come and stand and just read, and people would snap their fingers. Because I realized that for non poets, the fact that we snap our fingers seemed very yeah. interesting. Because I'm just like, that whole, like. <laughs> It seems very interesting to them, but we poets, we've been snapping our fingers for way too long. We really do not think anything about it, but they're just so excited to snap their fingers too. You know, so imagine introducing that to, you know, young students and they feel like they're a part of something. It's not just class as usual. Yeah. They'll definitely, definitely yeah. want to get involved. Yeah, they kind of go back to that snapping fingers thing. Like, okay, what what is what is that? So there's a whole history to it. I'm not going to lie. I don't even know. <laughs> but then, um, as performers, um, other meanings we attach to it. It's kind of distracting when you clap during our performance. Mm. It's, I did a piece today, and um, I had to pause several times because people were clapping and hollering. Now, uh, it's not a bad thing to clap and holler. Sometimes we do need it. But when we're trying to get something across, you know, and you're clapping and shouting, we have to pause to let the room, like, let all of the noise just simmer down for us to continue because the message could be lost. And the way we write, we want to make sure we paint a complete picture in your mind. If you miss a line, you might miss the picture, you know, that kind of thing. Okay, so if you say anything during this conversation, I won't clap. I'll just because uh, I mean, don't lie. I'm gonna lie. Whenever like I attend poetry, I mean, when I used to, I you know, so, some things I would hear be like, dang, that's deep. You know, I used to be yeah, like, okay, yeah. so yeah, um, yeah, because even like just kind of go back to secondary school, even my oral English teacher back then we used to like laugh because he would enunciate it's the words, words yeah. but those things really stuck with me, you know, and it just kind of teaches children or students how to be better speakers, better speakers you don't want yes. to start teaching someone maybe when they are too far gone and all the <laughs> all the <e-boy. laughs> all right okay now so you mentioned not too long ago that i can't remember the last time i didn't sleep with a jotter and pen by me yeah why is this important and how does that inform your creative process so there are times where, you know, you have to fish for themes and, you know, you feel like you need to write anything. There are times where the pieces just come to you, just a line to lines, just this silly idea, you know, that you need to develop. And I have learned the hard way that when you let those things go, like, oh, I'm not going to forget, I, I'd just write them down later you will forget or you forget how it came to you and then when it first when an idea hits you it is raw but it is powerful and you want to seize it at that moment so there are times where i have um i have recited pieces in my sleep into waking up and i just want to scribble that down because my goodness there's some <laughs> there's some heaviness in it yeah. so i always i always make sure that i have writing material by me either my phone or but i'm a traditional yeah because i was about to say that do you not use your phone because maybe you can get distracted no I'm, I'm just a traditional poet i write better um when i have a paper and a pen i could tap on my phone but it's not comfortable for me i feel like uh, this could be deeper if i had it 
paper with me. It's it's a personal it's preference, yeah. yeah. Now let's move on to the challenges of earning a living as a poet, especially in a country like Nigeria. In fact, last year you tweeted that I really want to teach creatives how to add monetary value to their art. Twenty twenty one, and they're still and they're still offering platform as payments now. So can you speak about? the challenges or that poets face in Nigeria, particularly when you have people thinking that everything about Shakespeare. If it's not Shakespeare, <laughs> you think it's social justice. But like you said, you're inspired by anything. anything right? Everything so speak is. about that, please. Okay, so um, I get very animated when we talk about money. <laughs> so um, poetry is becoming mainstream, yes. People are beginning to understand that it's a very powerful tool to pass across messages and all of that. But then they know the importance of poetry, but they've not seen the value of it. I don't know. I don't know if, if there's a difference with that. They haven't. So um, I remember years, years back, and that's why I'm very passionate about, you know, adding monetary value to the art. I remember some years ago, um, somebody reached out to me like, oh, you're a wonderful poet. I saw you perform at this place and I was mind blown and all of that and all of that. Of course, I was flattered. He was like, oh, I have a birthday party coming on. I, uh, I'd like you to perform at my birthday party. I was like, oh, sure. So, uh, yeah, so let's talk about payments. Was like, payment? I'm like, yeah, payment. He's like, oh, uh, I can't pay you. I'm like, why not? He was like, ah, I've already paid the rapper that is coming. And then I now paid the singer. And I'm like, oh, wait, you can pay the rapper, pay the singer, but you can't pay the poet. Really? And then he's like, eh, is it not just two, three minutes? I'm like, my dear, you see the two, three minutes poem? You have no idea. I, I remember there was a time I tweeted something like pretty funny, uh, kind of like explaining my creative process and why I'm going to bill you. <laughs> and I said, first of all, when we write, all poets will agree with this. We get hungry. We burn fuel like really, really fast, really fast. And then traditional poets like me, oh God, our, our flaws are become seas of crumpled paper. And but anyway, that's just me being humorous. So this is um this is brain walk, right? This is brain walk. We have gone past that time where we reward only um, physical um, jobs that um, involve physical exertion. We've evolved past that, right? Brain work is also a theme as well. For us to put together your the one minute piece that you need and all of that, it, it doesn't take a power one minute to write a one minute piece. No matter how good you are, you'd have to do editing. You have to, all of that, right? And, um, Poets also have their, their blame in this. Lots of poets, or let me, let me not say lots, some poets, or we all came from a time where poetry was just um, a side thing, just a hobby, right? And we had our regular nine to fives or freelance or whatever, and then we just did poetry because we liked it, right? And now it has become a source of income to some people. I've, there's still that struggle because there are poets who still do it as hobbies. And you hear people reach out to you and tell you stuff like, oh, poet Ed, he, he did it for free the other time. Or he took this like little sum. Why are you charging so high? And, <laughs> and then um, sometimes we get offended. But when we look at it, it's just they need to be educated better, really. Or the standard platform line give you a platform yeah that so a friend of mine would say oh platform did not pay the the did not buy the fuel that yeah. brought me here yeah <laughs> you know you coming from lucky i'm that's, that's what i said i'm grateful you could, yeah <laughs> but yeah, go ahead and it's not even feasible you know the whole talk about platform because you hear things like oh you don't know who who and who will be there fine you have events where you have big shots and the big shots will be like oh i really like this person i really like this person let's have her over at social so, so events that we are planning. I have seen this happen way too many times. The event is closed and then they're trying to have this meeting and this big shot remembers, oh, I saw this poet, uh, what's her name or what's his name? It's like, oh, I have a brother that can't even do better than her. Your platform was wasted, <laughs> you know. Your platform was wasted and that is not to say that, you know, they haven't, been poets who have benefited from you know 
been given the right platform but there is no harm in giving platform and adequate compensation as well if you enjoy the art if you value the art give for it really give for it poets um workshops we we pay for workshops we invest in our art so don't just come empty-handed and then be arrogant about it um I was in a meeting, um, I think some two, two, three months ago. I, I think that was February, so some two months ago. And we talked about collaboration. There are times where you value this power, you can afford the power. You know, come with a proper incentive, collaborate with the power, but let the power know that you appreciate his or her art and we are not just there for entertainment. I think that's, that's my take on that. Yeah, no, I think this problem that we have in Nigeria. First of all, there's the issue of people just thinking that foreign is better. Because if a foreign poet should come, oh, clearly you ain't going, going to say, <laughs> you know, absolutely, they you're going to pay through your nose for that. Yes. It's um, so, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's that. But I think we're even breaking past, we're breaking past that. Yeah, but go ahead. Nigerian poets are actually valued outside Nigeria. No, what I'm just saying is that if, it's the way we treat each other. Yes. We're willing to pay someone money mm-hmm. who's outside the country yeah. than pay our Nigerian brothers and sisters or Nigerian artists. Yes. And I think this problem even starts from secondary school whereby pe- students in the art classes are seen as less than. Less than, yes. And students in sciences are seen like, oh, they're somehow smart. Yeah, the brain work, the, the, the brain workers of, yeah, it, it's pretty, pretty sad. It's pretty sad. And to see that there are people who have grown up with this mentality, it is, it's quite sad because I don't think any, um, any form is lesser than the other. We're just different in we'll, some way. We all have way. different gifts. Exactly. Yes, we're just different in some way. I, I tell people especially when i hear the it's just a two-minute poem i challenge them i said so write it if it's just a two-minute poem there's nothing to it. write it you know and they're like mm, it, it's not my thing i'm like exactly <laughs> yeah. it is my thing you know and i came a long way with this thing and for this thing and for that you should see the value in it yeah nigeria is hard fragile like nigeria is hard nigeria is not hard <laughs> it's not because clearly you need to show the me the way the situation of things you need to okay well right you, yeah okay let's re- let's reframe yes. the situation of things in the country in the country is hard at the moment exactly yeah. at the moment for the longest time have been hard <laughs> <laughs> so there are lots of people that need to eat they need to pay their bills so how do they go about someone approaches them to say, I want you to perform or collaborate with me and what I'm going to offer you is whatever, whatever amount, but they know that they deserve more. What advice or what would you say, what, what would you tell that person in terms of not letting them sell themselves short, him or herself short? Um, what I always tell my students is, first of all, have a base rate. And your base rate cuts across everything that's everything you do for money, not just poetry, right? So you know that for no reason should I go below this amount of money for any service, even though I'm a bricklayer as well as a poet. I wouldn't, I wouldn't take this sum of money. It's too small, right? Even when you're hungry. You never, yes. never chop. That's another thing I tell my students, that you have to prepare, that you are going to be starving and you will turn down jobs yes it's something that you need to do if you expect to skill in this art with your craft if you ex- if you expect to skill you'd have to turn down things because people need to be educated uh, i'm going to share an experience so way back when i started in um, performing in Bathakat, and um, this um, brand approached me and i told them to pay twenty five thousand. at the time i felt like yeah cashing out yeah yeah and they're like eh, ten thousand i was like no twenty five thousand and even when i was saying the twenty five thousand i didn't know anything about base rate i was like oh god because they said oh we'll get back to him like if they come back i'll tell them bring the tanky <laughs> and, and they came back and like twenty thousand i was like okay i'll collect it so um years later they reached out to me at that time i'd you know started understanding base rate and I must say this about beige rate is um, just because my beige rate is so so amount does not mean that would be your beige rate. It's a 
mental thing. What do you think you are worth? That is what your base rate is. And you don't just go from zero to 100 like that. You don't just go for, say, uh, from 10,000 to 250,000. No, you don't fly like that. Because even when you're seeing the amount, you don't believe that you deserve that. So um, these people approached me years later. And they're like, eh, I want you to come and perform. And I'm like, okay. Uh, I'd, I'd moved to Lagos at the time. So they met me in Port Harcourt, but they came to Lagos and they wanted my service in Lagos. And they're like, uh, okay, uh, so our budget is 20,000. I'm like, I laughed. I was like, I don't even remember. How many years laugh. later? Continue, We're please. talking like four years later. Can you just imagine? I was like, I don't even remember the last time I took this amount for anything at all, aside poetry. I don't. They're like, oh, that's all we have. Oh, uh, well, we're looking forward to work with you, but I don't think we can. I'm like, okay. It's, it's all right. Um, but thank you for reaching out. And they're like, oh, okay, bye. And they hung up. I was like, ah, it's fine. Then days later, they called back. They're like, it's that amount you told us, can we just bring it down? I'm like, uh, no, that is my base rate. And they're like, okay, can we come in? come into an agreement and they're like okay what are you offering what are you bringing to the table and they were like okay um we're going to pay so and so amount um less than what you demanded this was like uh five times the amount of money they initially offered and they're like okay the, for the remaining payment we are going to shoot a video for you and promote it so i'm like okay fair trade fine that's let's do that now, when they come again, that rate I give them has moved. So, <laughs> so there has been some upscaling, right? But then um, they understand that this lady offers value and um, she has added value to our art as well. So if you're coming, we have to come correct. But it first starts with me. You know, it first starts with me. In the meeting I had teaching about base rate, I asked everybody, what's your base rate? What's your base rate? And I remember I was talking to this guy and he was like, oh, he's an MC and also a poet. And I'm like, okay, how much, how much do you take, you know, when you anchor even? He's like, mm, nothing less than 100,000. I'm like, how much do you take when you offer poetry, when you offer poetry services? 15,000. I'm like, mm -mm. wow. <laughs> So that's a problem right there. That's a problem. No, but that's really insightful because I think that you said you hit the nail on the head. Prepare yourself for the fact that you have to turn down jobs. As you're saying the no, you are crying. Deep in your spirit. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. You, are, you are weeping like, oh my God. But then um, uh, I could give so many stories about this. A brand reached out to me. I'd given them this particular bill because um, they came through a friend. So when they reached out again, after the first time I worked with them, when they reached out again, uh, I wasn't available. So I was like, oh, I have a friend. I could recommend a friend. And I recommended this power to them. And they reached out to her. And she gave them her bill, which was 100000 naira more than what I you know, initially gave. And they're like, no, we don't have that money. This is what we budgeted, the amount I took the last time. Which is very funny because when they reached out to me the first time, I told my friend, like, see, this is how much I usually charge for this. But because they're coming through you for the first time, yes, I would work with this your budget. But when they are coming again, tell them. So for them to still come with that same budget. And when she told them, they were like, ah, no, 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 it's beyond our budget. Yeah, no, we, can't, we can't do that. And she's like, okay. So I, when she, she called me back, I was like, ah, it's fine. Five minutes later, they called her back and agreed to that. But don't people that do that, don't you know that the poverty smelling? Because <laughs> why are you charging 20K, you know, so, like four years? Go ahead. As someone who has worked with a, like, um, I've had a nine-to-five job where I was in the marketing team. And it's, you get a pat on the back. Not that you're even getting any monetary incentive. You get a pat on the back if you cut a fair deal. So your boss is... Well done, my good and faithful servant. <laughs> no, I mean... Really, that's, yeah. that's what it I, is. And I agree with you, but I think that it is important to, or imperative to have bosses that have common sense. Bosses that want you to save money, but don't want you to cheat people. Because, I mean, when, when I had my 95 hours of last year, and I don't have a job anymore. My boss is someone who is very... She was someone that is very fair. Like, she wants you to save money because it is a business, but she never wants you to cheat people, yeah. you know? So it starts from also if your boss is thinking that it's okay. I mean, like I said, if you only have 20K initially, but four years later, 
you're saying that it's the same 20k you, yeah. you, you, you never grew <laughs> shouldn't that be worrying shouldn't that be <laughs> shouldn't that be well anywho um thank you for talking about that but what about poets who get discouraged because people don't engage with their work what advice would you give to them um i think that every poet has had to deal with that i don't think i'm even done dealing with that why did you start writing in the first place? You have to go back to it. For me, I started writing because I fell in love with the art. And at the time when I started writing, I didn't have an audience. But it gave me joy to write my pieces, stand in front of the mirror and perform it. So um, you need to go back to why you started it. Um, you cannot always leave for the applause because uh, I have written some pieces and performed in some places and it didn't get very great reception and I just wanted to trash the piece and then I performed the same piece somewhere else and people were like that is the most beautiful thing I've heard right um so you don't get a lot of engagement find your crowd I have a friend of mine and this this conversation was like some two three days back and he said something to me to me I, I would argue that he's the most beloved poet I have met right and then he was like you know, fragile. At some point, I was so discouraged. But what kept me going was, you know, the thought that every time I write a piece, I can count on you to love it. So I started writing for you. I'm like, what? What? What do you mean? It's like, yeah, um, people weren't really engaging. But I knew that every time I write, fragile will always say, share it with me, and repost it and hype it and stuff. And I did that not because he was my friend but because he is a brilliant writer. I mean, that was why he became my friend in the first place. He is a brilliant writer. So find your audience. There are people who would always love everything you put out. You know, write for them. Stay consistent with it. And people would just go with the flow. Like, people will come into the community, your space, eventually. Yeah. You said that. You said... um. Don't just live for the applause. Yes. Can I just say snap? (laughs) Because I think that what people sometimes misunderstand about honing your craft, whether it's in a career, um, whether it's sciences, whatever it is, is you need to work on yourself. Yes. Even when the ovation is not there. You need to prepare for your limelight. Come on, uh, do you see me? Sna- see, I'm not clapping, no. Yes, I'm snapping. I see you. Hey, that's so deep. You need to prepare for your own. Hey, that is so dope, though. All right, so you're speaking about a writer, your friend being a writer. You, as you said, you're also a writer. Yeah. And you regularly share your thoughts on Medium. Yes. You have a series called Fiction or Not. Yes. Talk about what that series is about. So the Fiction or Not series is a series of series. And the concept of Fiction or Not is because I am a poet, we poets, we see in colors. So it doesn't make us liars, please. <laughs> it's just that certain things okay. that... <laughs> It's just the certain things are exaggerated in our heads. You know, they are a lot more animated, a lot more colorful. So um, a lot of times my writing, both poetry, fiction, um, that's poetry or prose, stems from my experiences, things I saw, things that happened to me and stuff. And sometimes I just want to add a little, let's just sprinkle the something, something. <laughs> other, oh, some, times, some. Okay. other times they're very, very personal. And um, so I, I just want to add in some things and people be like, did this really happen? So I'm like, well, it's fiction or not. So choose whatever yeah. it is to you. So that is what the fiction or not series is about. Um, on the, the fiction or not series, I have two series and there's Dare Him. I would say that I actually, I read that and I really, I dig it because <laughs> it's for me, but go ahead. I'll tell you why I dig it. Okay. So there's Jehem and then um, the other is uh, Girl Code and the fiction or not series is, is, is about a press, is about a persona fashioned after me. The reason why I, I chose to say it that way is, um, it is called a fiction or not series for a reason. So it might be true. It, it might be just be a story whatever it is to you it is what it is well that's I, like i said i like them the one like i said the one that really stuck out to me is um dear him because it's a story about 
you having a crush on someone yeah. and the person's not getting married yes. and the pastor now tells you to write a poem yeah. in celebration of their marriage or whatever yes. and you as you say you're as the as the writer which is you say yeah. that you're dying inside yeah. but you're able to put on your businesswoman hat yeah. and say okay that's cool i would do it but you're going to get you're going to pay me for you know my services yeah. so i really i really like that you know you're dealing with that emotion yeah. but you're like you know <clears throat> I got bills to pay. I have things, you know. Of so course. yeah, <laughs> I, I really, I really, really like that. So m- more power to you. And Thank look you. forward to reading more fiction sure. or not series. So we're moving on to the fun random question segment. Okay. Are you ready? No. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, it's fun random questions. It's not things serious. You ready? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yay! Thank you for that. Last time. No. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So the first question is: What are the last two books that you have read? Ooh think like a monk to ask me who the author is i i'm one of those terrible people i just i, I know books. the book but what's think like yet? a monk and then um saying yes um it's a book for artists by an artist so yeah second question is you have other interests but if you had your way which of the following would you pick as a full-time profession author cosmetician or talent coach cosmetician absolutely you came here looking on fleek, so <laughs> that's not surprising. Not even an author. Nah, cosmetician. Okay, that's cool. Third question: Your favorite album or song of 2021? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, I'm I'm still stuck in the past. In the in the past, 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 past. The album that has been playing a lot lately surprise surprise it's mi's album talk yeah. about it ah that is cool. for how many yeah. years ago yeah, exactly so i'm in the past <laughs> it's okay the past is always history once in a while yeah okay fourth question is name three poets or writers that inspire you um I have I have to start with the one person I have a girl crush on. That has to be Wana Wana. Crazy fan yeah. of Wana Wana. Wana Wana just um she inspires me. Then I have my very good friend Pario Lodo. Pario Lodo is an Abuja based poet. Uh which other poet inspires me? Graciano. Graciano. He's a based poet. Okay, okay. Yeah. Final, final, final question is the best movie of all time to fragile is if it's not a Marvel movie, I don't know any other movie. <laughs> I'm stuck in the Marvel. <laughs> oh, Lord. Okay. Go ahead. What is the best Marvel movie? All these Marvel people. <laughs> um, That would be Endgame. Especially that part where Captain America picked up. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay, I'm, my I'm, about, I'm about to go geeky. Yeah. So, we are going to leave it alive. I agree with you. I, that's really, that's a really dope yeah. scene. That's, now we have come to the end of the conversation fragile okay. any words or projects that you want to plug before we wrap up um well i have some things in the works that's all i'm going to say okay. i have some things in the works i have an academy it's called the lighted academy you can find us on instagram and i teach poetry i teach poetry related things and i plug in other people's teachings as well so it's not just me wherever i see um something beneficial i always plug it to the page so people can have access to it i'm very passionate about growing the next crop of amazing spoken word poets in nigeria so yeah thank you so much for your time fragile thank you it was lovely speaking with you it's been a pleasure this episode is edited and produced by fola shade anose theme song for the pod is by john akinola if you enjoyed this episode please rate and leave us a comment on itunes and spotify it really really makes a difference and helps the show get discovered the podcast is also available on podbean audio mac google podcast and stitcher radio simply search for t h e s n c podcast you can also check us out on twitter instagram and facebook Thank you for listening.